Hey kids, welcome back to On Stage, Off Stage. I'm your host, George Sapio, and yes, it is time once again for another one of our annual seasonal end-of-year play readings. This play is called Drive-By. It is by James C. Ferguson. He is an award-winning playwright and filmmaker. He's written numerous screenplays for a variety of producers, and his plays have been produced throughout the United States, the United Kingdom, and New Zealand. James is also the author of two comedic novels and a very well-received independent feature film called Happy Holidays, which he co-wrote, produced, and directed. Today's play, Drive-By, features Judith Andrew as Ruth and Sylvian Tima as Kim. The setting is a small kitchen in a small house in an East Coast suburb in the United States, and the time is now. Knock, knock. Kim, sweetheart. Come in, please. Cece and I were just making cookies. Not too loud. She just fell asleep. She definitely needs a nap. She was quite cranky. Oh, she's smiling. Who loves spending time with her grandmother? It's probably just gas. She had prunes for lunch. I couldn't get her to stop eating them. You're going to have to watch out for that later. Mom? Why would you feed her prunes? Because she loves them. Don't you, darling? When you were a baby, you wouldn't touch the things. If I even mentioned the P word, you gave me your mad cat face. <clears throat> That's the one. It was cute when you were a baby. Well, I appreciate you watching her, Mom. With Kurt out of town, it's... Of course, sweetheart. I'm always happy to watch my special little girl. Any time. Except Thursdays. I get my hair cut on Thursdays. And Mondays. I have to pay the bills on Mondays. Oh, speaking of which, I was thinking, for Christmas... Mom, it's the middle of August. Oh, you don't want to leave these things until the last minute, sweetheart. Anyway, I was thinking this year I'll host... Just like last year, and the year before that, and the year before that... Whatever you want. I'm going to make a ham. Sure. That sounds wonderful, Mom. Whatever you want. Your father doesn't like ham, but the rest of us do, so he'll just have to suck it up. Did you get a chance to go look at the house? Yes. I almost didn't have time. Work was crazy. I had to move the appointment back an hour. Yes, I know. You said you were going to be here at 6. I know. It's not 6. It's later than 6. I'm sorry. Don't apologize. It's fine. You know I'm always happy to help. I was going to watch Columbo, but once I figure out how to use the machine, I'll be able to record it. Then I can watch it any time. So what do you think of the house? I think I really like it. I've looked at it three times now. Oh, you don't want to do that, darling. Once should be enough. If you keep going back, they're just going to keep jacking the price up. It doesn't work like that, Mom. It's a lot of money. I want to be sure. We've never purchased a home before. We've always rented. If we're going to do this, I just want to be sure everything's right. It's very exciting. If we buy it, maybe we could even host Christmas. Do you want something to drink? Oh, uh, sure. Thank you. I can get it, Mom. You don't have to wait on me. Oh, don't be silly. I'm not decrepit. You relax. 
I want to hear all about the house. Besides, you don't know where anything is in the refrigerator. I move things around. How much do they want for it? Two hundred and ninety thousand. Oh, that's too much. You shouldn't give them that much. Do you know how much your father and I bought this house for? Twenty-five thousand dollars. Yeah, but Mom, that was thirty years ago. Still, two hundred and ninety thousand dollars. That's too much. What's this? Pudding. I thought you. I couldn't find the drinks. I bought these by accident. Your father won't eat them. I don't want to waste them. Uh. Here. I wrote down how much I think you should offer them. Mom, you haven't even seen the house. Yes, I have. I've driven by it three times. On the back, I made a list of all the things you're going to have to have them fix. I watch a lot of HGTV. I know how these things Mom, work. Mom, all of these things are inside the house. Well, I think the outside is lovely. Good yard, new windows. The roof is in good shape. Mom, you haven't actually been inside the house. I think you can do better. Oh, did I tell you? The Rasmussens are selling their house across the street. Yes. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Mom, it's a big decision, Kim. I just want you to be sure you think this through. I'm so excited for you. I am, but you don't want to rush into these things. It's like relationships. Oh, is it? You don't really want to just run off and marry the first man you meet. Why not? That's what you did. Dad is the only man you ever dated. Oh well, your father is special. I knew that the moment I met him. All right, Mom. I appreciate your suggestions, but ultimately, this is our decision. Of course, it is, Kim. Absolutely, you should get the house that's right for you and your family. That said, if you're going to borrow money from us, I think I am entitled to. What? Let me finish. We're not borrowing money from you, Mom. We don't need money. We're fine. Oh dear. I don't think I was supposed to say anything. What are you talking about? Now, now, don't get touchy. You're making your mad cat face. Kurt didn't want me to say anything. Kurt didn't want you to say anything about what precisely? He's a proud man, a good man. He doesn't want you to think he can't provide for you and his family. He likes it here. He knows you like it here. Of course, I like having you here very, very much. Before, well, Seattle was so far We away. We didn't live in Seattle, Mom. We lived in Redmond. I know that, sweetheart. But if I say Redmond in casual conversation, nobody knows what I'm talking about. Everybody's heard of Seattle. Most people, anyway. Oh, it doesn't matter.、Uh, but it does. It matters. Because you never liked us living out there, and this is your way—one of many extremely unsuitable ways of expressing your displeasure. Never directly, 
never to my face, God forbid, unless you're talking to your friends in private at the salon or the store. You're all too happy to tell them precisely how you feel. You were on the other side of the country. I never saw you. You never came home. I always had to fly out there. Transcontinental flights aren't cheap, you know. Now, I like having you here, and why shouldn't I? You're my daughter. I love you. I like seeing you. I like talking to you in person, face to face. I like seeing my granddaughter. I would have never seen her if you had stayed out there. She wouldn't even know who I am. Now you just sound like a crazy person. You cannot seriously be this insecure. You make it sound like we were intentionally trying to take Cece away from you, which is bananas. We talk about you all the time. We had a picture of you in the hospital with us when she was born. But I wasn't there. You intentionally kept her delivery date a secret. You didn't tell me I what... told you the date the doctors told me. I promise you I had nothing to do with the fact that she decided to come two weeks early. I don't want to talk about this. I'm tired. I had a shitty day. I want to talk about the house. I want to talk about the fact that my husband apparently came to you to ask for a loan because we don't have enough money to buy the house? Please don't tell him I told you. I promised I wouldn't say anything. God damn it. We are happy to help. It's really no big deal. We'll just take some money out of our retirement. We don't need that much. It's fine. You don't even have to pay us back. It's a gift. You know, I think Kurt wants this house even more than you do. I think he's longing for some sense of permanency in his life, stability, consistency. He's had so many different jobs in so many different places. He's never owned property before. I think he's tired of living like a gypsy. You do what you have to do, of course, but... You have to be invested in your life if you want to get the most out of it. You have to be committed, otherwise... Oh, hold on a second. It's Kurt. Hi, honey. Yeah, I'm at Mom's. I'm just picking up Cece. I did go buy the house. Yeah, uh-huh. Speaking of which, Kurt, darling, did you ask my mother for a loan? Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I see. Yeah. I see. Why don't we talk about that later? Okay. I love you too. Bye. So, Kurt told me that you went to him and offered to help pay for the house. And you told him not to tell me. 
Mother, is this true? Yes. Okay. Why? Because I don't want you to move again. I want you to stay here. I want you to raise your daughter here. I like having you here. I like seeing you. I like getting to know Kurt. I like seeing my granddaughter. So this is all about you? I'm lonely. Most of my friends have either moved away or died. I spend so much time in this house all by myself. I'm not getting any younger, you know. I just want to make the most out of however much time I have left. I hardly sleep anymore. I'm so anxious. Every time I close my eyes, I wonder if I'm ever going to see anybody ever again. Sweetheart, getting old sucks. I know, Mom. And I'm sorry. Look, please don't take money out of your retirement to help us buy a house. If we do this... If? It, Mom, please. I apologize. I... I know. It's okay. Kurt just said he thinks we should go for it. What do you think? I think the process of trying to buy a house is giving me an ulcer. Never before have I encountered a more maddening process, nor have I come across a more disreputable assemblage of morally bankrupt bottom feeders. Nobody gives a shit about you and your needs, not really. All everybody just wants to do is make a sale. The whole thing is... I... think... we should go for it. Oh, I'm so happy for you. It feels good to finally grow up, doesn't it? Oh, we should celebrate. Do you want another pudding? That was Drive-By by James C. Ferguson, featuring Judith Andrew as Ruth and Sylvia and Tima as Kim. James was gracious enough to uh, give us a few minutes of his time. We got him on the phone, and of course, the first thing I wanted to find out was, who are these women and where did they come from? Oh, boy. <clears throat> well... My wife and I were um, uh, looking to buy a house last year, and um, we had uh, this was our first house. We had we had never gone through the process before, and so the incident that takes place in the play was well, it's a dramatic version of what happened, but that sort of the nut of what happened in the scene sort of happened over the process of looking for a house and, um, you know, uh, the character of the mother is, is, uh, a sort of based on a real person, but obviously, um, you know, really amped up for dramatic purposes, but you know, the, uh, 
HGTV line did actually. That was a real line, and that's she actually said that to us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I it was it was one of those moments where I'm like, oh, oh okay, sure, uh huh, and made a mental note. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. The nut of it came from that, and and it sort of you know ballooned out from there. And then you know we sort of I changed a few things around and tried to give it a you know, more, you know, gave it a beginning, middle, and end, and and played around with it. But the nut of the idea sort of did come from a real um, conversation that occurred <laughs> while we were looking for a house. Which, you know, um, I yeah. honestly don't know how anyone, you know, survives that process because it was just uh, I don't know well, either. Miserable. Yeah, <laughs> my my wife and I have been looking on and off for the past, I'm going to say, three years. And, uh, you know, just going through the, the, is this good? Is that good? I don't like that. Is that, I don't like the location. Can we, we're going to have to rebuild the entire kitchen. All these, you know, fakakta things that, that both people come up with. It was, it's such a high stress, you know, thing to go through. And, uh, I just feel like, you know, it really brings out the crazy in everybody. And, uh, um, this was sort of the play is sort of an example of, of one of those moments of like, you know, the ridiculous things people say in those circumstances. So, oh, uh, yeah. absolutely pressure will make you say almost anything. Yeah. It was yeah. a little, uh, little nutty, yeah, but that's where the best drama comes from. Right. I think so. You know, you hear those, you're out in your life and you hear those lines, you stumble across those moments and, you know, you're always, you're always writing, even if you're not writing. So you hear those moments and you are like, oh, well, that could be something. And you, you know, pocket it for later and you don't know when or where you're going to use it or how, but you sort of sense that maybe there's a, a, a there's something in there to yeah. be mined later. Now, how many versions of this play have you gone through? Was not it- a lot. I tend to do, you know, um, my track record so far is, is I, I tend to do one or two drafts once I actually get to the writing of the thing. Um, but I will think about it for a long time beforehand. Okay. Um, and I have noticed that as I'm getting older, I used to write very quickly, but now, you know, if you break up the time, it really takes me like a two full work days to get through a 10 minute scene, which is, you know, um, a long time. But I guess the result is that, you know, I try to attack it slowly and carefully so that when it's done, it's done. Not to say that you don't go back and tweak things or oh, you sure, know, yeah. change stuff. Um, but it, for me personally, so far, it tends to be an all or nothing situation. By the time I get to a script of a 10 minute piece, you know, full lengths are totally different, but you know, for a 10 minute piece, it's either there by the time I get there or it's not. And I just junk the whole thing and either chuck it completely or start from scratch on something else. Yeah. Do you think the, um, because this has always bothered me and, and you touched on it a little bit, the 10 minute play format, because it is so short. And when you say 10 minute play format, you're automatically saying in the back of your head, well, as opposed to a full length play, which is 90 minutes or so, you know, nine, 10 times as long as this, a 10 minute play. Do you think we somehow fool ourselves into thinking, well, this should be a lot easier to write because it's not that long. And, Honestly, it's 10 minutes. How long could it take to actually make a good 10-minute play? Uh, God, I don't know. I, I think that 
I feel like it's also different for every play and every writer. Um, you know, some come easy, some come hard. And then I've heard, this has never happened for me, but I do know people who have written some full links and they're like, well, I wrote it over the weekend. And it came out perfectly fine somehow. Now, mm-hmm. they may have made tons of notes or been thinking about it for years or, you know, it may have all been assembling in their head before they put um, pen to paper or fingers to keyboard. Personally, I, I feel like I'm slowing down as I've gotten older. And I used to write much faster, but I also I used to write a lot of a lot more junk, I think. I feel like my you know, my own personal success rate is a little bit higher, um, but it takes me a little bit longer now. Mm. Um, as opposed to, you know, fifteen years ago or twenty years ago where I would dash something off but it would really just be terrible. Well it sounds to me like you're refining your process and you're becoming a little more specific with what you want and what you, you know, what you expect. I, I think as our careers progress, we tend to do that, whether we think about it or not. We just, we just, because we've written so much, we've been through this process. We kind of know what's going to be good. We kind of know what stands a chance and we might get, just get a little bit more particular and take a little bit more time instead of where well, I, th- I think we're maybe replacing quality, uh, quantity with quality. I think so. Possibly. Again, I think it's different for everybody, but I think that, you know, um, I can only speak for my own personal methods, but, um, you know, for, for me, it, um, it also comes out as a result of, it's not a, it's not a conscious thing where you're trying to get to a certain place or have a certain, uh, methodology about how you're approaching the work, but it just seems to have evolved naturally over time of just, just doing it, just writing, you know, the process of just trying to, trying to write something. Sure. The process seems to evolve, um, sort of organically in a weird way. I'm going to switch it up a little bit here. Um, in addition to playwriting, you also work on the other side of that fence, uh, by which I mean, you're a screenwriter, you write and well, yeah, write and produce movies. I have produced uh, a movie and yes, I wouldn't say movies. Okay. I've worked in movies and I've produced a movie, but yes, I have. <laughs> okay, because I was, I was, well, I was looking at your website, scalepluspoints.com, and uh, there is the banner for Orion Addison, which was in uh, several film festivals, Boston Sci-Fi Film, Independent Film Fest of Boston, Los Angeles uh, Cinefest, and it mentions that you've written other screenplays. Do you have a preference for stage plays or screenplays? Are you easily adaptable, moving between either? That's a good question. I don't... Uh... You know, I, I really am enjoying this stage stuff. What did you start off Part with? of it is that I started off with more screen stuff, but, um, you know, also everything in, you know, the business has changed so much, and I also don't live in Los Angeles anymore. I moved back to uh, Boston with my family a few years ago. You know, the, the screenwriting process can be so frustrating because you can work on a thing or pitch a thing into a vacuum, and it just sort of always ends, it always stays in the vacuum where um, I have had a little more success in the stage front the past few years. And it is very exciting to see things make it to production. You know, you, 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 I've had so many more stage pieces that have been produced and, and all over the world. And, and I've seen some and I haven't seen some, but I've heard about it. And, but you know, you get to that end result and, um, that's very satisfying as opposed to just writing a thing that goes nowhere. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, about, I mean, because yeah. obviously you just said you're having way more success um, with your work as a playwright. 
what's the difference in the mechanism between these these two beasts? I mean, you you write a screenplay, and from you know, well, I've never done one, so you know, you're, you're talking to a complete inexperienced newbie here. And you send it off to an agent, you send it off to a producer, and do you, what, forget about it? Do you try shopping it somewhere else? Because I know with plays, you can do multiple submissions. Sure, you can produce it yourself. You can do a little, you know, you can just raise money and find a little theater and some people and get it, make it happen. Uh, if you have the time and the energy and the uh, wherewithal to, to, to see it through. But it's tricky. I think that especially now, you know, the... the uh, Hollywood is also so crazy different than it was even a couple of years ago. You know, the film business per se is really not even, I mean, they do make films. Yes. But everything is geared towards, you know, franchises, blockbusters, big things. And um, there is an indie scene and there's smaller films being made, but at a, uh, a lot less quantity than they used to. So, you know, that's why all the seriously working writers, a lot of them are gravitating towards TV now, you know, there's, Lots of TV production. Yeah. Why do you think employed. that is? Why do, why do you think the market is smaller for indies? Or, or the um, business is smaller for indies? I don't know if the market is smaller, but... Because <laughs> I'd rather go see an indie than a blockbuster. But, you know, I'm a Boy, boy. I don't know. I think that's a whole other conversation. Global market, you know, higher price tags, um, higher revenue streams. Um, sure, yeah. You know, it's all of it, all of that stuff. But it is. I do find that you know the, the playwriting side of it is very. It's also you know, particularly for me with my ten minute plays, I've had a lot of success, and it is sometimes fun to just, you know, you you take a chance and you give it to somebody and they just sort of run with it and produce it, and you may have a little bit of a say, but it's also just exciting to see what happens. Um, if they, if they have the uh, the time and the energy to produce the thing, uh, and they're you know generous enough to ask you your thoughts great but uh yeah. then they do the, the the heavy lifting work of getting it up and um and it's exciting to see it's thrilling to get it produced and it's exciting to see what the end result is because it really does feel collaborative you know and everybody brings a different thing to the table and it's fun you meet different people and make different contacts with different companies and in different places and and there's something to be said for the uh, the shared experience too. If you're if you're lucky enough to get an audience and have a house, you know, to, oh, yeah. to to be in that to be in that room with those people. And like you said, it would it shifts from night to night or production to production. But to have that shared experience, I don't know what else there is like it. It can be really uh, uh, beautiful and wonderful. You know, if you're in a comedy and everybody's laughing, that's great. Mm-hmm. If you're doing a drama and it's you know, silence. Everyone is on pins and needles. That's also great. Yeah, that it, it is. It's actually the silence bothers me more than um, half-hearted laughter because I always sit there wondering: going, is the audience a falling asleep, or b are they so wrapped up with the play that they have totally forgotten to even breathe and they're just riveted? You well, know? yeah, right. Rus- silence, silence is good, but rustling is bad, right? <laughs> True. Okay, so as someone who's uh, done his own movies and produced and that sort of thing. I'm asking you this question because uh, where I am, Ithaca, New York, we've got one university, one college, and we've got a lot of independent movies going on here coming out of these two colleges. What advice would you give someone just getting into the movie producing business? You know, some student just with his degree and, and a beatific smile of naivete 
What would you tell them? I think that, uh, you know, the, uh, um, I sound like an old man if I'm going to say the kids today, but it's true. You know, the, we were literally just uh, having dinner with my nine-year-old. And my nine-year-old was like, Dad, I got a great idea. I want to do this short for YouTube. And we'll do this and we'll put it up and it'll be this thing and it'll be hilarious. And you do this, then you do this. And I'm like, you know, it, it's a ridiculous idea. But at the same time, she could take my iPhone and film a thing and then upload it and it's out there. Mm-hmm. And that is a, such a different universe from, um, even 10 years ago, really. Um, the fact that anyone can create something is beautiful and, and wonderful. Now the negative of course is there's, you know, gazillions of short films floating around and Absolutely, festivals yeah. are overwhelmed with thousands, you know, thousands of submissions, but, you know, I mean, it's the same with with um, podcasting, right? I mean, it's uh, or, or or audio. You you have the technology at your disposal to sort of uh, control uh, your product or your art and put it out there for people to enjoy if if they want to. There's just there's so much more control now, and and for a reasonable cost too. You can do if you know you're creative some pretty great things for not a lot of um, expense, which is, uh, right. boy, is that different than it used to be. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Okay. Let's, um, I'm going to hit you with uh, one more question and uh, then I'll let you get back to your life. In addition to sure. uh, uh, screenplays. It's just and... my children. They're, they're fine. The <laughs> nine-year-old and the four-year-old, they can handle it. Oh, they, they don't need supervision at all. So yeah. All right. Great. We'll stay no. here for another couple hours. This is great. Aside from the play scripts and the screenplays, you've already, uh, you've also written a couple of comedic novels. Tell us about those. And you seem to be writing uh, all the time. Yeah. I mean, just to, with this incredible output. Yeah, it is. A, I I do. You know, I like it, and I, I try to find some time each day to do a little a little something to move the ball down the field a little bit. And and um, you know, the novel I wrote a few years ago when I was still in LA, and I did a second follow up novel, which we put up on Amazon in sort of a chaptered uh, format. They were they were just uh, both of them were ideas that didn't really fit. You know, each idea seems to sort of have its own place that it lives best. And those were two ideas that I had written. They were like, well, they're, they're never going to be movies. They're too huge. And I don't know if they would work on stage. Um, and they're a little, they're, you know, they might work well in prose. So I <clears throat> attacked them as, as prose pieces. And um, so far, they're the only two I've done. But, you know, maybe a, maybe a third one will come someday. Well, thank you, sir. It's uh, sure. It's been a lot of fun chatting with you. And thank you so much again for your wonderful play, Drive By. And uh, you have yourself a fantastic and uh, very creative 2017. (laughs) One can only hope. You as well. Hey, kids. Thanks for listening to On Stage, Off Stage. On Stage, Off Stage is produced monthly, and all of our shows can be found at onstageoffstage.org and also on iTunes. If you enjoy what we do, please recommend us to your friends. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, at OnOffStage. And if you are a theater artist with an upcoming project of interest or work in a part of theater that we haven't yet covered, oddly enough, or know someone in the theater world who'd make good chat, please send us a note at info at OnStageOffStage.org. Our intro and outro music is Surf Far, Surf Good by the composer Steve Channon. You can hear more of his work on SoundCloud. On Stage, Off Stage wishes to let its listeners know 
that we believe in and advocate for a world where all people are free to live their lives as they wish, in peace, without fear. We believe in zero tolerance for acts of hate and bigotry. We believe in universal respect, diversity, and equality in all areas of life for all people, no matter what their nationality, race, religion, age, sexual status, or gender orientation. On stage, off stage, we'll never promote or endorse those who seek to diminish others because of who they are. I'm George Sapio. Thank you once again, and happy theatering to all of you. 